Hi guys, Princess here. Welcome to episode 15 of Buy Pumpkin. Hey, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm in a pretty good mood. <laughs> I'm in a pretty good mood um, because I'm getting to record this on like a Friday morning and no one is home. So I can like pretty much say whatever the fuck I want to and not have people not have to be like, oh, did somebody hear that? Did they hear that? That's how I describe them. Mm. And yeah, I, I just feel like it's the end of the week. I'm glad to get through it. I had to take a kid to a psych appointment this morning. I had back-to-back meetings for my own work. Cause you know, if I don't work, I don't eat. So it gotta work. Um, oh, I just realized that I thought spring break was one week and it's the week after. So I'm stupid. Um, what else? What else? What else? Ugh. This week I was like, if you follow me on Twitter, I was like in a fucking tizzy about the fact that like I have some new things and have to um that I have to document for foster care and it's like it's like fucking insane how much they want you to document and how much they do not believe you like so normally like if I go to the doctor with like one of my adopted kids I go I'm just like they're like oh we're gonna you know we're gonna get some urine to test it to make sure everything's going on well there and there's no bacteria in it or whatever. I'm like, cool. And then they call me a week later and they're like, oh yeah, it was fine. Everything's good. So we're not, so we're just gonna keep doing what we've been doing. And I'm like, okay, okay, great. For foster care, they're like, well, you need to get in writing what those results are. I'm like, well, the doctor told me it was fine. They're like, no, 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 you gotta get into writing. And then they'll be like, so I use melatonin a lot um, with the kids and it's because the doctor, um, suggested it uh, because, you know, sleep's super important, especially when you have mental health things going on. If you're not getting enough sleep, then that can really like throw you off tilt. And so doctor suggested, but it's over the counter. And so, and so I don't usually, I've never had to like note when I give it to them before, but now I have to like over the counter medicines are gonna be added to the med log. Like the, the paperwork is out, is insane for foster um, parents. And it really bothers me, not because like I'm fine with paperwork and I do all the paperwork for this family, no matter what, because my husband has dyslexia and also he's lazy and like paperwork intimidates him. Like, let's just be real. The paperwork intimidates him because he's had an issue with processing written things for a very long time. And so when you're younger and every time you have to like read something from someone or fill out a long, a, a long, form or something like that you're getting it wrong and being embarrassed um or the thing the way you're writing things embarrasses you then you don't want to do it anymore you have like you know an aversion to it but also he's a lazy fuck sometimes and i'm not saying he's a bad person he's a lazy fuck sometimes like all of us are like the fact that if my um oil light comes on in my car i'll be like oh i don't have time to think about that knowing goddamn well if I don't get this taken care of, my car is going to fucking explode or maybe just stop working. And then I really, really need that fucking car. But I'll be like, oh, I'm just too busy. And really, I'm just laying down watching Designing Women. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact is we can all be lazy fucks. So he's a lazy fuck sometimes. But in our relationship, we try to give people tasks that they're good at and that they enjoy doing. And for me, paperwork's not a big deal. But 
the amount of paperwork I'm dealing with right now is insane. And so I was really pissed off about the idea that I was like, okay, so every time they get a Tylenol, I have to write that down. And then they ask who's prescribed it. What should I write there? Nobody, because it's an over-the-counter medicine. By the way, guess what? My husband doesn't know what the fuck over-the-counter medicine is. He doesn't. And you guess how I found that out? I had my inspection with the state and um, in Texas, I don't know about everywhere else, but in Texas, your your um, your over-the-counter medicine needs to be locked, okay? Chemicals and things like cleaning stuff needs to be in a place that is not easily accessible. So that means you can put it up high, you can put a um, a child lock on the on the cabinet. They just mean that like, like obviously a 12 year old wants to get to it, they're gonna get to it. But they just mean it's not like super easily accessible. But over-the-counter medicine must be behind a, a actual lock. So the closet in my bathroom has a, has a, a lock on the, on the knob. Then, um, prescription meds, not all, but most. So I do all of them have to be behind a second lock two two locks. So then I have a toolbox that has like a, what is that lock called? You know what I'm talking about? Like, um, like the one you use on your locker at school, but it's a key has one of those on there. So that's how my system is. Now, before this inspection, I ran through this entire house because I had to make sure nothing was expired, no meds were expired, and you'd be surprised how many fucking, like, Robitussins are expired. Um, you gotta make sure there's no expired food in your refrigerator, your cabinet, your, your freezer, and, I mean, obviously, we're not running around here like certain people expired food, but it's really easy to get to the bottom of, like, your deep freezer and find, like, some, uh, some... Um, something that's expired that you like haven't even seen in two years. You know what I mean? So like I said, I just gone through the house looking for expired food, expired medicines, all that kind of stuff. Especially when you have a bunch of kids, like you have a ton of cold medicine, but like you don't always pick from the back or whatever. So this is all locked up. I, this, I knew this inspection was happening a month prior. And then I knew the exact date, like three weeks prior. So I'm all set up. I go, I, she wants to see my meds. I show her the locks. I show her, she looks through everything, make sure nothing's expired. Um, or she takes a sampling. She, like, she picks up a couple of things, make things, make sure things aren't expired. And then she wants to see my cabinets in the bathroom, right? So I open the cabinets. There's no chemicals down there. And on my husband's side, he has like his clippers that he has, cuts his hair with and things. And she looks down there and he's got so much motherfucking Sudafed down there. So much Excedrin down there. And if you guys should have seen my face, I looked like I just pooped on myself because it used to be that when you did these like inspections, that when you got a fine, that was like $500 or whatever, the agency would pay it and they'd just be mad at you. Then about two years ago, they had to sign all these um, acknowledges, acknowledgements now that if they get a fine for something we did, we have to pay it. Okay. And so like, I see her pulling that shit out and I just see ka-ching, 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 ka-ching. I just see money flying out of my bank account. And so <laughs> she turns to me and she goes, it's okay. And I was like, what? so I'm stuttering. I'm like spitting and shit. I'm like, <laughs> and she's like, it's okay. It's okay. She's like, um, She's like, you should put this in there. And I was like, yeah, I should. And I was like, I don't know why he did that. That's my husband's side. He's a crazy person. And she's like, no, 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 it's okay. I see that you have a system and everything. She's like, sometimes people pull things out. She's like, it's understandable. 
Um, this is your bathroom. It's my, so it's my, um, the bathroom is in my bedroom and the kids don't use it for anything unless they need an extra bathroom to go to. And she's like, this is your bathroom. So it's still not accessible to the children. I was like, okay, okay. And she's like, yeah, so just double check him and everything. So later I go and I talk to him cause she's like, you know, now she's checking for guns and shit cause she's got to do that. And she's, you know, doing her report and doing all that. And she's got to talk to the kids and she's got to ask them how to discipline. Do we beat them? Are they just out of their cage for the next 10 minutes or whatever? So I go in the garage, which is my husband's like man cave kind of place. I go in there and I go, hey, um, remember when I said over-the-counter medicine has to be in the in the lock closet? Remember when I had you put that that lock on there and on the whole thing, the whole bit? He's like, yeah, I know. And I said, well, we just found a bunch of over-the-counter medicine underneath your side of the bathroom. And he goes, no, you didn't. And I was like, yes, I did. And he goes, I don't have any over-the-counter medicine down there. I would, I don't have any over-the-counter medicine. And I'm like, yeah, you have like Sudafed and Excedrin and shit. And he goes, I got that in the aisle, princess. That's not over-the-counter. And I was like, how did we, how have we been married so long and I didn't know that you didn't know what fucking over-the-counter medicine means? He's like, over-the-counter medicine means where the pharmacist gives it to you over-a-counter, princess. And guys, have you seen that? Twitter video, or it might, it might be from TikTok, and someone just posted on Twitter. Have you seen that video where there's a dude in like really high heels and he goes to do a flip and then he falls, but through CGI, not CGI, God, through through some kind of manipulate video manipulation, when he falls, he turns into chunks of meat. Like he just hits the ground and then he turns into chunks of meat. That's what I did in there. As soon as he said, that's what over-the-counter means, I just fell to the ground into a bunch of chunks of meat, okay? Because I was like, oh, you don't have any home training. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is wrong with you. I was very upset. Fortunately, I didn't fail my, my exam, I mean, my inspection, and the lady gave me a pass because she could see, because I have a ton of over-the-counter medicine for various things, like kids get, you know, there's always something fucking wrong with them. And so, and so I guess she just, she, you know, she's got a dumb husband too. So, so why am I talking about this? Mm, Over-the-counter medicine. Okay. So now I have to like, uh, have to like fill out paperwork for it. And it's just such a pain in the ass. So I was going to melt down on Twitter. And then I, you know, like my first thought when she told me was like, I want to discharge all of these fucking kids today. Come get them. But obviously I'm not going to do that. It's not their fault. And also if I discharge them, most of them, like they would go to shelters because I mean, there's not a lot of like availability. But every time they're like, could you, do you know any people that want to become foster parents? Oh, we don't have enough foster parents. You know, a lot of kids are in shelters. Shelters can be dangerous. There's not as much, there's not as much, you know, um, supervision and they're not being parented or not in a home environment. It really uh, sets kids up to to be inst institutionalized. Like living in a shelter is a lot like living in a rehab facility or in some of the bigger ones, like a prison. And it teaches them how to adapt to that very young. Like you want them to be in a home environment so they can understand what it's like to be in a family and to have that family one-to-one -one contact. And I just wanna be like, yeah, but this is why, this is why. Because 
you do things like you do not believe me. Like I can't give you detailed notes. You want me to get something on letterhead. And I also understand why they do that. It's because any documentation, because there are really bad foster parents out there and there are not great caseworkers and there are not great social workers. And you need the documentation because these files go through so many hands, but you expect me to parent them, but you also expect me to do this as if I'm, we're in some clinical environment and we're not. I'm in a home environment, which is what you want for them. And, and you know, like some people will be like, well, that's why you get paid. Well, yeah, yeah, that's why I get paid. I get paid for forms and shit. But keep in mind that the emotional work, the emotional work I put into this, I will never be able to be reimbursed for. There is no way to reimburse me for someone, for a nine-year-old telling you he's going to kill himself because he's alone in the world. And you have to rush them to a psych hospital. There is no, there's, there's no reimbursement for that. There's no reimbursement for some of the stuff that, that you have to navigate emotionally for yourself and for them. And you got to get right so that you can help them. So it's not like you don't have time to be like, oh, how do I feel about this? Because it's important what they feel about this and that they're getting the right information. Like, dude, 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 there, there's not enough money in the goddamn world, okay? And so, like, I was already having, like, a not great day. And then they're like, well, you have to do an incident report because three months ago, your foster kid fell while skating with her bio mom. You were not there. She fell while skating there, and you took her to the ER. So if you had to take her to the ER, so I had to take her to the ER, so I have to write down the incident report which is nine pages. I have to get that done, even though the incident didn't happen with me. And I'm like, okay, well, how come bio mom doesn't have to do this? Well, they don't have to do anything. They don't have to do anything. They're, I, I get that their part is super, super hard because they're, I mean, they don't have their kids. That's incredibly hard. But the fact is they don't have to do shit. And when you're in a kinship foster placement, which is where my last placements were, or before this, they can only suggest that they do stuff. They don't have to make them. So kids that haven't been vaccinated in fucking three years, they have to get all these fucking vaccinations. Kids that haven't seen a dentist in three years, even though they've been in CPS care because their kinship foster parent didn't have to do it because they were related to them. Like, anyway, I, it's like I'm 15 minutes in. I've just been droning on about over-the-counter medicines and shit. Isn't my husband fucking crazy? <sighs> he's so lucky he's lovable. He's so lucky he's lovable and he would do anything for me because shit like this really gets on me, on my fucking nerves. <laughs> me finding out that all your life you thought over-the-counter meant someone slid it to you over-the-counter. Mm. <laughs> I got it in the aisle, princess, in the aisle. <laughs> okay, so uh, let me stop talking about that shit. <laughs> show business, guys. Hey, if you want to support this show, please make sure you become a Patreon supporter. Um, you can go to patreon.com backslash buy pumpkin and sign up for a dollar a month. That'll help me keep the lights on. Make sure that I can afford hosting and apps and equipment when I need it. Really, really appreciate that. Um, if you can't do that, understandable, leave me a review. Give me a five-star review and tell everybody how much 
you like this little silly little podcast about Danny Bonaducci right now, okay? <laughs> also, I'm getting better at my DMs. If you have a question, if you um, need something, if you want to comment on something I talked about, you can go over to Buy Pumpkin Podcast on um, Instagram, comment on my post, or send me a DM, okay? Um, like in particular, right now, um, I have a new mic and a new setup and I'm like still trying to figure out like about the sound. Like I want you guys to be able to hear me, but I also don't want you to be able to hear me breathing. Like I've just run a marathon, even though I've been sitting here for like 15 fucking minutes doing nothing but eating Cheez-Its. Like I do not want you to be able to hear. <sighs> so like, if that's what you hear. Like you should, if you're like hearing that all the time, like fucking let me know because I don't re-listen to these things. So that kind of stuff. Um, if you know anything about um, podcast audio, feel free to like send me a little note and give me a suggestion. Could you be nice to me? Sure. I love it when people are nice to me, but you could also like, you know, just let me know. And if like, sometimes I get DMs from people that are just like, hey, I like, I just want you to know I'm in the grocery store. And I'm crying because of, I'm like, you know, I've got a lot of stuff going on. Like me personally, I hate This Is Us. I watch it every week so that I can cry and pretend like it's about the show. <laughs> so like, I understand public crying. I understand nonsensical crying. So like, I was crying, I was in the grocery store, Princess, and I started to tear up for no reason, but I had you in my ears and you were talking once again about how your husband doesn't know about over-the-counter meds and how you just turn into a, a chunk of meat and it helped. It got me through the fucking day. I love that kind of stuff. Um, Liz, <laughs> I was talking to Liz not too long ago about how when I talk about the fostering, the volunteering, and the work I do with like displaced children, I sometimes get feedback that makes it seem like people think I'm doing something extraordinary, which is not true. I'm a normal person and probably I'm reading your tweet while I'm eating a sandwich on the fucking toilet. Like I'm a mess. And so sometimes when I get like feedback, that's like, you're amazing. You're great. Thank God you're here. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it feels off to me because I'm like, no, no, no. I'm just like sharing this because I want you to know like how crazy life is and how like what other experiences are I don't want to be seen as somebody who's like aspirational in any way or like someone to look up to because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And Liz said something like, and she texted to me. So here I am talking about her personal text, but I mean, she's not going to listen to this. <laughs> so, but she said that like to under, to like one, take a breath and remember that because she gets that too, because she talks about sobriety and she talks about um, her lifestyle, her lifestyle. She talks about being a sober person and how she contends with her sobriety. And um, so, and when people give her back feedback that are just, sometimes she feels like they think too much of her and she, but what she realized is that it just means that her posts make people feel good. Like, and that was, that was good to hear because I was like, okay, I get that. So that means that like not to read too much into it and not to get too worried about it, just be like, okay, that means that they just enjoyed what I'm talking about. And it made them, you know, it, it either they're in a similar situation or, or they know someone in one and they're, and they're just like providing, they're just like 
trying to support me back. So why am I talking about this? I don't fucking remember. Um, I just want to talk about that. Also, if you want to follow me on my personal um, accounts, my it's okay princess, okay then princess on Instagram and Twitter. And I mean, really just going to get um, pictures of my food, um, tweets about designing women, um, a retweet about how the thong song was entirely too aggressive. And it was, it was real dramatic for no reason. It was like, <laughs> I mean, it was just a song about a thong. What's it, what, what, what all that? Yeah. So yeah, I think that's all the show business I have for now. Oh, someone DM me. I think more than one person DM me, but you know, I don't, I'm still getting used to it. Someone DM'd me and told, and was in like, sent me a screenshot of Gretchen's book, Gretchen Bonaduce's book. And I'm gonna fucking read it. You know, I have to, I'm gonna read it. And maybe I'll do a bonus episode on it because it's called Surviving Agent Orange. And I just think the, the title's cute enough that we should read it. Okay, so let's let this will be just like a book club. I'll read the book and I'll just tell you what's in it, <laughs> which is what happens at like 90% of book clubs. One person read it and they just talk about what happened in the other in the other like eight people are like, girl, I had a crazy week. Mm. <laughs> so then what happened? <laughs> like, so be looking out for that and make sure you're a Patreon subscriber because that's how you're going to get that episode. Okay, it's a buck a month. Guys, you can get a dollar a month from anywhere. You could like, I mean, you could be shoplifting a dollar's worth of goods a month and fencing them. It's it's really not that hard. Like, just go be a Patreon subscriber. Please, please, please. Okay, so let's get to the show now. Um, if you remember last, so this show is, well, Jesus Christ, Princess, which one is it? I think it's episode five of Breaking Bonaduce, Bre- Breaking Bonaduce season one. And it's called Out of Control. Um... So if you remember last week, Danny was losing his shit because Gretchen had strippers at her lame slumber party birthday. He's off the wagon. He's drinking. He never stopped with the pills and he's full of steroids. And, um, so yeah, he's losing it. And I noticed there's a towel during the strip dances. Like they're like dancing on, on her with a towel, like to the camera. And is that, is that because they're naked and they're filming? Like... Did they not have pixelation? Did they not have a budget? What's going on there? Hmm. Um, so eventually Danny convinces someone there to give Gretchen his Motorola flip phone, okay? <laughs> and he's angry. He says he, he's not allowed to strip bars, which I didn't know. Um, and that... All his coworkers at the radio station went down to the strip club and he had to stand outside in the rain because he's not allowed in there. And two things. One, I bet it, he said it was the pouring rain. I bet it was fucking sprinkling, okay? That's one thing because he exaggerates everything. And two, the difference is that, Danny, you're a sex addict. And when you're drinking and naked and around um, naked or less than clothed women, you spiral into things that, like Gretchen's not going to do that. Gretchen didn't get these gross Ken doll looking dudes rubbing their dick on her today. And then she's going to go on a bender. and You're not going to see her for two weeks. That's not what's going to happen with Gretchen. And the fact is the two of you are, are different people. And I said this last week when he's like questioning her, Oh, um, were you drinking? Were you drinking? 
And I'm like, she can drink. She she can handle a drink. She can, she's someone who could who could leave half a drink on the table. You are not one of those people. You're different people. So I and I and I think that he's he's got an issue with I think he's got an issue with like he thinks fair is fair, but he's not taking into account like other like factors. Like the fact that like he has no problem smoking crack. Like I mean, maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I, I don't know Gretchen very well. I only know her from the show. I didn't see her in anything else, to be honest. And I haven't read her book yet. So I don't know shit about her. But I do, to me, she doesn't come off as someone who, if she were hanging out with a group of people and they were smoking crack, she would have a hard time being like, oh, I gotta go. She she doesn't seem like that type of person. Whereas Danny, if it was in the same situation, I can completely imagine that he might, he might have a hard time with it. Even if he said no, it might be like a struggle for him to be like, okay, I have to go. I can't be here during this. Like it would be a big deal. Um, even if he was able not to, you know, you get what I'm trying to say here. It's like when my kids are like, why does he like, so one of my foster kids loves baths. And the reason he loves them is because he likes to feel like a mermaid. And so, <laughs> and so, it's funny because he's very like machismo. Like he's very much like I'm in a gang. I've had a lot of sex, even though I don't know what a virgin is. <laughs> I'm doing this. I'm like a strong, you know, I'm, I'm like a big man all the time. Boys don't do this. Boys do that. You know what I'm saying? I'm practically grown, even though he's like 10 fucking years old. And then he's like, Yo, Ma, can I please you get, take a bath in your bathtub so I can feel like a mermaid? Like, he's such a dichotomy of things. Um, he's he's very much a child. I don't think he realizes that. Um, but so on Fridays, as long as he's had a good day and he hasn't been making a mess in the bathroom the kids share, on Fridays, I run him a bath in my room. Nobody has to take a shower on Friday nights because the kids stay up late and they're, I don't know, when you're a kid, you think a shower is a fucking punishment. As an adult, I'm like, ooh, I can't wait to get in a fucking hot shower and just like live my life. So no one has to take a shower. But on Fridays, there's one kid. As long as we have a side deal, as long as he's got good behavior and he has been messing up the bathroom, I run him a bath in my bathtub. And he and I give him a 30-minute timer on the Alexa because he can hear it. And he pretends to be a mermaid in the shower, in the bathroom. That's something... He and I had to work out. Now, some of the other kids are, are like, how come I don't get to take a bath in your bathroom? How come I don't get to pretend to be a mermaid? I'm like, because that wasn't the deal with you. He's having a hard time. He's got to get through. He's, there's a lot of things he's like fighting against to have a good week. And so he and I made this agreement. You, not everybody has to pretend to be a mermaid. And they're like, well, we can do this. We can do it. I'm like, no, this is the, like, we're not all the fucking same, dude. All right. So Danny wants Gretchen to tell him that it's okay to go to the nudie bar now since she's had those Ken doll. Like, I bet they don't even have any dicks. I bet it's just a mound. Not like Hedwick and the angry, angry itch, but like, I bet it's just like a Ken doll. They don't, there's nothing to be threatened by these dudes. But he's like, no, I get to go to a nudie bar now and you have to tell me it's okay. Either that or I come over there. And he keeps asking her to say he loves her. She loves him. And his friends are like, his friends, okay. Again, I don't know who these dudes are, but they definitely seem like LA types. 
They seem like they sell cars <laughs> or real estate. <laughs> and, and they're a little drunk too. I mean, maybe they've had a few Zannies as well. I don't know. And they just seem like kind of loose. And they also, they seem like they've known him for a long time. And they're just like, who all's there? And he's like, let's go find out. Let's go. And he's like, I need to get over there and go let these naked men know it's a bad idea for them to be dancing with no pants on for my wife. And I'm like, dude, they're at work. They are dancing badly with towels. Calm the fuck down, okay? There is no, like, no one was like, hey, man, you want to make sure we go over to, to see Gretchen so we can put our dick on her? Because, you know, we're really into her. Fuck what her husband Danny says. They don't even know you exist. They're just there because their agency or their manager or their pimp or whatever sent them over there. That's what. That's that's why. So at some point, Danny's friends are trying to convince him not to go over there. They're basically like, listen, she's not talking to you because you guys are in a fight. Like, they're pro-nudie bar. They're like, yeah, let's go to the nudie bar, man. She, you guys are in a fight. Let's go. Let's go do some coke somewhere. They, they're just like, you don't need this drama. And far be it for me to agree with the dudes that are like, let's go to a nudie bar and do some coke. But I agree. You don't need to go over there. And if you feel like you've been entitled to do something, then just go fucking do it. And like the fact is you've been drinking already and you've been, you've been on pills forever and you're, and you're also injecting steroids. So dude, dude, like you doing some coke and going to nudie bar is not that big of a deal to me at this point. I'm like, you've been out of control the whole fucking time. So they're like trying to convince him and they're in a limo. Like I said, a limo. <laughs> and the limo is moving. It's in traffic. It's not like going 40, okay, by the way. It is moving, though. And Danny opens the door and jumps out of the fucking limo. And the big one, his friend, the big one, who kind of looks like, mm, I don't know. He's kind of greasy in a way, like, it's bad to speak ill of the dead. Um, Jason Gummy Bear Davis, you know, from Celebrity Rehab. By the way, he died this past week, um, assuming of an overdose of heroin which would make sense because he struggled with addiction a long time. He was on an episode of Celebrity Rehab, not an episode, he was on a season of Celebrity Rehab where he had someone come try to break him out of the rehab. <laughs> and I think they called the police and said he was being held captive in rehab or some sort. And so he died this week. And... The thing that kills me is the way people are talking about him. They're always like, he wasn't a voice actor on recess. And I'm like, I never fucking knew that. He was a voice actor. He, he was a voice on recess, which is my shit. Um, I love a show about school where they, it's not, they act like it's a part like it's more of a macrocosm as opposed to them being like very focused on the fact they're in school. Like Fillmore is an excellent old fucking cartoon where it's basically dragnet, but the guy's like a safety officer at a school, like, but he's like 12 and he's solving cases. Like I love shit and re I, I mean, I love recess as much. And, um, so <laughs> 
So on recess, I guess Jason was a, um, was a, a voice. And I'm like, nothing is surprising about this death except the fact that you guys are leading this with, he was a voice actor on the recess. And I'm like, this is not what he's known for. He's known for faking a kidnapping attempt to get out of celebrity rehab. That's what he's known for. Get some fucking references. Anyway, he's kind of like greasy in that way with glasses. That's the bigger friend of Danny. I don't know what his name is. But I loved his reaction when Danny jumped out of the car, the limo. He just kind of like sinks back into the limo seats like, ugh. <laughs> Again? <laughs> He does this every Tuesday morning. (laughs) Like he's not surprised by it at all. He's more like, I thought we were going to a nudie bar. (laughs) Um, so production is trying, I mean, they get out, they, they've like obviously parked the limo and production is trying to stop Danny from going. And Danny is threatening. If he doesn't get a phone right now, he'll be like the way he's talking. He's like, I'm coming to the W right now with this attitude and there won't be any talking to me by then you you're just getting this and he reminds me of like sometimes when I get like really hyped to the point where I'm not thinking rationally and I start telling people what I'm gonna be and what I'm gonna do like this past (laughs) this well I'm not when I'm really not gonna be being or doing shit the whole though all you're really gonna get is me explaining to you in graphic detail what I want to do but I'm not gonna do shit and don't get me wrong I'm definitely terrified of Danny Bonducci okay but the fact that he's doing a lot of talking right now makes me think he's not gonna do anything you know what I'm saying like and you see by the end of the episode he I mean he does stuff but he's not going to the fucking W you know and I'm just like if you were going to the W you'd be going to the W right now you just want us all to understand that you are in great distress and you're very upset and you want to get us all in a tizzy too so that you don't have to do being a tizzy by yourself um this past like the this the, during this week I was supposed I'm making dinner for my kids it's a late day so they go to bed at eight and they're like eating it's 7 15 and I I need them to go to fucking bed so and I start to make rice and you can't make rice quick or it'll be hard so I'm just like making rice making it soft and I, or I want to and I'm like where's the fuck, where's that 10 pound bag of rice I bought? And I couldn't find it. And so I yelled to my husband who's playing a video game. And I say, yo, I have to go to the store to get fucking rice right now. You're in charge. And I tell the kids that too. And they're all like, what the fuck is he in charge of? And so (laughs) I leave and I go and get the rice. I come back. I make the, I start making the rice. I'm like, I just want this dinner. I want them to have good food. I want them to be happy with the food, but I also want it to happen now. And I want them to be able to eat it before they go to bed. My husband, he's out here and he's like looking in the pantry and I go, what are you looking for? And he goes, I'm looking for the rice that's missing. And I like, was like, listen, buddy, get the fuck out of that pantry. You think that if you go in there, I'm already upset that I'm missing my rice. That I had to drive all the way to fucking Walmart to get rice. And I'm like, I'm on a time crunch and everything. I'm already pissed off about that. But if you think that if you walk in that pantry and pull out my missing rice, you think that's going to be good for you or bad for you? You think that's going to escalate the situation or de-escalate it? Because I'm already upset. And 
if you pull out the race, what does that mean? That means I'm stupid. That's what that means. And I'm talking to him and I'm, and I'm like, and guess what? Then I'm going to, and I'm like, and I'm like in an episode of the fucking bad girls club, you know, when they're clapping and they're like in another thing, like they're like clapping to let you know how mad they are. They're like accenting their words. So, you know, it's on. And so I'm like clapping at him and he puts his hands up. He's like, okay, okay. Okay, I see where we are here. I see where we are here. And I'm like, yeah, get the fuck away from that pantry. <laughs> and, he's, and like, I'm like talking to myself. I'm like, yeah, because y'all don't understand. I've had it up to here. And like, I'm doing the same thing that Danny's doing right there. I'm not going to do shit. If I was, I would have already done it. And so we spent much of this episode with Danny like stalking up and down. Well, not stalking because stalking is more like a slow walking, but like, just like stomping up and down sidewalks on the telling people what's going to happen. And this reminds me like, well, I don't know. Um, when, when the producer gives Gretchen the phone, she looks right at the producer and is like, aren't you tired of this? And I want to say, Gretchen, aren't you tired of this? Cause this seems to be like a normal thing that happens. This seems to be like something that happens every couple of weeks or so to you. Like it's not unusual that he's like having this meltdown involving all of these people and like demanding all kinds of things and like talking to people in like a really like condescending way. At one point the producer that's with Danny is like, listen, the producer we've been contacting to get on the phone doesn't have his phone. And Danny's like all up in his face, like he doesn't have his phone. So you're saying that he doesn't have his phone. And I'm like, I wish you guys could see because the, because Danny's so short and this person is like pretty tall. And Danny's just like up in his face, looking up at him with these big eyes. Like you're telling me he doesn't have his phone. Is that right? Like, I, I don't know. I just find it like incredible. I just, I, he thinks he's such a tough guy and I'm not saying I'm not scared of him. I am. I'm scared of him because he's some, the reason I'm scared of him is the same way. Um, I'm scared of DJ James Kennedy that he doesn't follow social norms. So you kind of don't know what he's going to do. You don't know if he's going to shake your hand or spit in your face. That's why I'm scared of him. The same way I'm scared of 50 cent because 50 cent, like lots of us, like if we get into an argument or something, we're just like, okay, well, you know, that's how it goes. But 50 cents, like, no, I'm going to wait six months, date your baby mama, make a sex tape with her and release it to the world. Like he has too much time on his hands and too much is going on. That's how I'm scared of Danny. Cause I don't exactly, I can't always predict what he's going to do, but this act he's putting on where he, he wants you to be scared is not scary to me. It's more like posturing and defense. And it's like, I don't know. It's like when a cat, a cat like, like kind of like makes itself bigger and kind of like puffs up like, okay, well that's not, I'm not too scared about that. I'm not too scared about that. You know, you know, this week, um, Kara texted me and she asked me, did I think, how much of this did I think was Danny playing up for the cameras, right? Wow, like he's acting this way because he knows people, he's got cameras there. And I told her, Danny is 
playing up for the cameras, but this is a thousand percent who he is. And what I meant by that is that he's always playing up. He's a performer. Remember, he's a child actor and you don't even get to be a child actor unless you're one of those people that likes to like turn it on for people. And, you know, a lot of them grow out of it, but I don't think Danny ever did. And I think he performs for whatever audience is there. And an audience could be the mailman dropping off a fucking package and Danny's ready to get like, to take it up a notch so that the mailman can see. It could be his kids. We could be driving by in a car. He, he wants that. And so, yeah, it is heightened because of the show, but the fact is, if the show wasn't there, his friends would be there and Gretchen's friends would be at her party. Like he'd be doing it for them. He'd be calling some some girl from her high school that flew in for her little party and being like, you put Gretchen on the phone. Oh, you don't know where your phone is? Oh, really? Oh, really? Because there's not gonna be any talking to me once I get there. That's what he would be doing. And I think it's really dangerous. That's a dangerous way to be that you have to perform for people because then your experiences aren't about what you're taking in, how you're feeling, what 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 your enjoyment level is, what you think you're going to get out of this. Instead, it's what can I show them? And, you know, it's you know, okay, you know like when blogging became really popular at first. Like you know how everybody has a podcast now, like what, maybe 2006, maybe, maybe a little earlier, everybody had a fucking blog and there would be these, especially for women, women used to get into this niche very easily. These like dating or sexual blogs or lifestyle blogs and that were really centered around what you're going to be doing. And so people, you start a blog like that and then you'd start doing stuff to be able to write on the blog. And maybe if I'm, if I'm like giving it a 2020 uh, filter to it, I'd be talking about Instagram where you are literally going places so you could take a picture so that you can put it on Instagram and perform your life. And the fact is you wouldn't have gone to the beach today cause you don't actually feel well, but you haven't posted anything in like, you haven't, you don't have anything to post today. So you're like, okay, well, what can I do? Oh, I can go to the beach and I can do that. like that type of stuff. And, and I don't know that, um, I don't know that Danny is doing stuff for the show, but I wouldn't be surprised if he went out to, I wouldn't be surprised today if he, for this particular episode that he went out because Gretchen was out and that normally he would have stayed home and done all the shit from home, but he would have been performing for the women at that party as not, not necessarily for cameras. If you understand what I'm trying to say here. So yeah, it's just more of Danny, like smoking a cigarette, screaming that people need to ask him permission, um, that he needs to, that they need to see if it was going to hurt his feelings and you know, and speaking of filming the show, Danny's friends are like standing in the street going, I wonder if Nick and Jessica do it this way. <laughs> I love when a meta, when they have like a meta conversation like that on a reality TV show, they're talking about newlyweds, obviously. Um, at this point, Gretchen is like, I didn't plan for these strippers to be here. Like somebody else hired them. 
and like I'm she goes into the bathroom with a friend to talk and I guess that they have a filming like relationship where they don't go follow them in bathrooms I think in the real world they don't follow you in bathrooms unless you're in a bathroom with someone else if like Two people are in the bathroom. They go in there with you, which is why, God, I forgot what season it was. But just, you know, like in the beginning of the real world, people had actual jobs and they would go off and do things and stuff. And then they were like, well, it takes, it's too much to film them on their jobs. You have to get permission, all that. We're going to give them jobs that we already know we can film at. And then they were like, okay, we're going to have one big bathroom in the, in wherever they're staying. So it's going to be much easier to film them in the bathroom and in the shower and doing those things because more than one person is going to be in the bathroom. So anyways, Gretchen goes in the bathroom and she's still mic'd up and she's just talking about, they, they get the audio that basically they're in super trouble. They're in so much trouble. This is not going to be good. Um, and it was kind of sad because it sounds, like I said, I've had experience with domestic violence myself. I've had experience with, um, like loving someone who's going, who's in like a really toxic, violent relationship. And this is the type of stuff that you get. And that people are like, well, they're not talking. She's not having a conversation. that's like, okay, I need to get away from him. Okay. He's doing this. He's making it like this. She's more like, oh God, we should have never done this. It's, you know what I mean? Um, not putting responsibility where it should be. So that's when we get to the part where he's like in the guy's face going, oh, he doesn't have his phone, blah, blah, blah. Because the, the crew that's with, producer that's with, Danny is like, listen, we're not in the room anymore. She's asked us to leave the room. Um, we're, and she's not going to take any more calls from him on behalf of Danny. He doesn't. And one, of the, and one of his friends is like, I'm not trying to be selfish. This is the tall one. I'm not trying to be selfish, but I like to know where I'm going in the next half hour. And Danny goes to jail. <laughs> he is such, I would have, I mean, they don't have Uber there, but I would have like called a friend and be like, come get me. <laughs> this shit went bad quick. Um, you know, Danny wants to know if they're going to drive him or um, if he's going to get a ride. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he was on that sidewalk for 45 fucking minutes doing this over and over again, which is a long time for this. And he calls the producer on his phone and he says that he wants him to know that the show is over. He needs a lawyer. And the, the crew member that doesn't have his phone or isn't answering his phone or whatever it is that can't get Gretchen on the phone for whatever reason, he better never see him because he's going to fuck him up. And Danny's friend is like, do you think it's easier to deal with terrorists right now or what? Like they are... <laughs> They're just off to the side, like having their own little conversation. And so at this point, Danny jumps in a car. He runs in the street and jumps in a stranger's car and they drive off. Now, I don't know what happened here. I tried to rewind it to understand what happened, but it was too fucking quick. It was like, I don't know if that person recognized him. Because remember at this point, Danny's on the radio. Danny's doing lots of little, Danny's an LA guy. He's even though he's not like famous, famous, like he was when he was on the Partridge family, people know of Danny. He's doing all these events. Like, I don't know if someone recognized him or, and they slowed down or if they just slowed down because there was a stop sign there. Danny just got in the fucking car. I know it does remind me of that Bad Girls episode with Natalie Nunn. Because remember all season long, she's like, I run LA. I run LA. I run LA. And they would use, um, 
dubbing to have her saying it, even when she wasn't saying it. I mean, so funny that she's like, I run LA and then she's like, I'm going to get my celeb friends to come over. And it's miles from Moesha. I'm like, he's not on anything. He like what? He was like fourth call on Moesha. He might've been sixth call because I think, um, fuck Countess Vaughn. And uh, Nisi, not Nash, but you know who I'm talking about. She plays Nisi. I forget her name. Kevin Federline's ex-wife or ex-girlfriend. I think they were higher than him. So he's like six on Moesha on a show that hasn't been on in like 10 years. And you're like, you're like, yo, you got to bring your big celebrity friends over here? Anyway, there's an episode where I guess she gets into an argument and she yells, I run LA, or either that or they dubbed it in because they did it all the time to her. She goes, I run LA. And then she gets in a car with a stranger and drives off. That's what that reminded me of. All right, so now they're all following a stranger's car. And his friends are still Mike. And they're saying, like, you don't see them, but you can hear them. They're saying, like, it's the roids and all the pills. Um, that, like, this is, like, taking them back to 30 years ago when he would do shit like this all the time. And... They're like, you can tell when he's even and it is not even right now. Like this conversation you're hearing is not necessarily one that they would want you to hear. And it just makes me think, okay, they're just like a very exhausting family, like an incredibly exhausting family. I'm fa not family, incredibly exhausting friends to be with because, because like, it feels like it's always something going on with him. And he's not even apologetic about it. He didn't seem like the type that even call you the next day and be like, oh, I'm sorry. So in the end, Danny ends up going to his house, not the W. When he gets there, he's stalking around the house. Like he's walking very slowly and looking deeply at everyone. When I say stalking, I mean like, like, like a fucking lion. The way when you watch a lion walk across like an area on like a documentary or something, they're just walking very purposefully. Like, I'm not going to do anything right now, but you know I fucking could if I wanted to. So then he sits and they're doing like a sitting interview. Like they're just kind of watching him and he's talking to the camera and he's crying. Tears are just going down. And he says the woman he would kill for doesn't exist. He says he's crushed because he's not in control. And then Gretchen comes home, which is weird. It's nighttime. I thought it was a slumber party. I thought you guys were going to stay there, but I guess, I guess her friends are all afraid of being murdered. And the next thing they're arguing. Now, I feel like it's another day because they're not wearing the same clothes. Am I wrong? Like, if you watch this and you're like, no, that was definitely the same day, DM me or comment. Let me know. Um, so I guess they just, to me, it seemed like they skipped from where what happened when she came home to another day. And the camera, and they're in a bathroom arguing. And again, like I said, there's probably some agreement where they don't film in bathrooms. And the camera's pointing outside the bathroom. They, when Gretchen and Danny open the door, they look surprised to see the camera, especially Danny. And Danny wants to know if the camera person was out there getting audio and he's angry and he tells them they should be proud. Gretchen says that she asked him if she, she should turn off the mic and Danny says he didn't realize there was even a crew up there. Danny says, is there anything she wants to tell him? Should it be private? Should she do it right now. She kind of walks in the closet. She's really vague. She's like, the way she's acting is 
a way I've acted in the past with like a mentally ill family member who um, has schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. And sometimes when she's going, when, when she's getting into, like, I don't really fuck with her because she knows she has these things and she's not medicating and she, and like, she's the type of person that just does shit and then be like, you don't have schizophrenia and bipolar. You know that, don't you? I'm sorry that I stole your identity and had you arrested. That's a real fucking thing she did. Not to me, but to another family member. And she just like, I, I've said this before. I just like am uninterested in a lot of diagnoses without like any work on it. I don't want to hear about your anxiety disorder if you are working toward, you're not working on it. And that might be tiny steps, but like, I don't want to hear that the reason that you don't show up anywhere you're supposed to show up, like I'm your business partner and you don't show up places because you have an anxiety disorder. Because then my next question is like, okay, so what are we going to do? And your answer is nothing. Okay, well then I don't have a lot of empathy for that. Or if I can find empathy for that, I'm still going to be like, well, I can't be around that shit. And so, but, so I don't really deal with this family member, but sometimes when she, I have to because other people deal with her and she's like talking and stuff I like get just really vague about stuff like if she says something I'm like oh wow that's crazy <laughs> okay and like I'll like just leave a room or I'll like get into my phone and that's what Gretchen is doing to Danny right now she's like interacting him very vaguely and like at the most minimum and she's just like walking around the room she goes into the closet to do something and he says she's not telling him to leave so it must not be private he ends up grabbing a camera and starts filming the crew and he says please don't move to them in such a weird aggro way so even though he used the word please the way he said it was like if you leave i'm gonna blow the fuck up and there's this there's this guy Everyone going to drop my kids off of school. There's a guy who lives across the street from my kid's school, like across the street and like down the road a little bit. And he crosses the street every morning, stands in the middle of the street with his children and saw and screams that it's 20 miles an hour and does like a two zero thing at them and flips people off because I guess they're driving too fast. I don't know how he would know. I don't think he has an, um, a speedometer in his ass. Like, why are you standing in the middle? You're not even crossing at a crosswalk. He flipped me off one day because, um, I was doing drop off. It was the first time I actually dropped them off. Like normally I dropped them off pretty early. So there's no, like, there's no drop off line. So I'm in the drop off line. I'm like rushing to get somewhere. And the woman who does the drop off line puts a stop sign up. So I stop, but she put the stop sign up for me, but she did it the way she did it caused me to stop in the middle of the, the, the crosswalk, which is a no-no, obviously. Um, I wouldn't have done that if I didn't think she was trying to tell me to stop right now. So I stopped in the crosswalk and I just like stopped because then she was letting people go, like cross the street. And he was like flipping me off and like, this is a fucking crosswalk. And I'm like, yeah, I know, bitch. And I'm like, we're screaming. And he's such an aggro guy. He's like a big guy. He looks like he... He should be wrestling or something. Um, and it's just like, I find him so annoying, not because of that incident, because like, obviously 
there's a misunderstanding. But I'm like, why are, why is your first thing to scream at people and flip them off? Why is that the first thing you go to? Like, there's lots of people in the street. The way you get out of this one neighborhood where my kid's school is, there's only one way out the fucking neighborhood. I don't know why they built it that way. It should be several ways to get out of the fucking neighborhood. But there's one way to get out of the neighborhood and it's past the school. In the morning, people drive like idiots. I get it. But you standing in the street, miming 20 miles an hour and flipping people off while your kid is just sitting next to you, like, it's just like standing next to you, like just trying to get to the fucking first grade is not adding to it. Like his whole demeanor is like, you're going to do what I want you to do. And I'm in the right, even though I'm not crossing at the crosswalk, you dumb fuck. And I don't know. I just wanted to scream at him. I thought he was illiterate, but <laughs> I did have a bunch of kids in my car and I'd already used the B word, but that demeanor reminds me of Danny when he's talking, especially to the crew. He's talking to them in a way. Yeah. He says, please. And thank you. And would you mind? But the way he's like is please don't move. Please stay right there. And he's filming them. And he takes the film and he takes the um, camera into the closet and film is like filming Gretchen right up close and is all like, um, look at all these people waiting for you. That we're all waiting for you to say what you want to say. And he kind of badgers Gretchen into asking the crew to leave. He's like, then tell them to leave. Tell them to leave right now. And the camera's cut off. And then we get like some writing on the screen. And what is this called? Like a screen card or something. And they tell us at 4 a.m. that morning, Danny attempted suicide. He was arrested and placed on mental observation. Um, I'm assuming that's a 5150. I could be wrong. I don't know a lot about that, that um, a 5150 hold. What I do know is from this book that's really good. You guys should read it. It's called 72 Hour Hold. It's by B.B. Moore Camel. Or is her name Bebe? It's, I say BB, BB Moore Camel. It's called 72 Hour Hold. It's about a single black mother who's been raising her daughter all her life. And her daughter is like in her late teens and is diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And it kind of chronicles her fight to get her help and with the system and with her daughter. Because obviously when you're in certain states, you don't think you need any help. You think everybody else is wrong. And like, and then when you take your medication, this happens with a lot of like mental illnesses, like or disorders. You, when you take your medication, you're like, I feel fine. I don't need this medication. So you stop taking it and then everything goes off the rails. It's a really good book. You guys should read it. Um, it's called 72 Hour Hold and it's by B.B. Moore Campbell. Anyway, um, she, she goes through like tons of 5150 holds in that book. So I guess he's on a mental observation. So two days later, Danny's released and they have an emergency session with Dr. Gary. They replay the night. Gretchen and Danny tell him what happened throughout the night. Gretchen had told Danny that she wanted a divorce from all the behavior and that, and the way they're saying this is as if that night, this happened the night of all the craziness and that scene happened at the same time. I don't fucking know. It doesn't look like it did, but okay. So she says, I, all the, the behavior, she wants a divorce and Danny cut his wrist shadow like in a shallow way but he did cut them and then she said he says don't leave me i'll die and then she says i'm still leaving you and he cuts his wrist really hard and just blood starts gushing out of it she calls 911 because she has a medical emergency danny screams 911 is the cops not an ambulance so he grabs the phone and breaks it 
and like smashes it in the ground. And so the cops do come because you can call, you can call 911 and tell them you have a medical emergency and they'll send an ambulance. But because, but I'm assuming that because they're hearing all the screaming in the background, then the phone goes dead. They sent the cops. Danny's arrested and he got locked up. Dr. Gary is stunned. <laughs> He's just like, uh, Gretchen said that she told him all the way from the hospital that she's not ready to be intimate with him, which I thought also was interesting because are you saying that, that Danny was asking you to have sex with him on the way from the hospital? Are you saying that you're not ready to stay in this relationship? What are you saying? You're not ready to be intimate with him. They're not, they don't mention that Danny was like, oh, I just got out of my, um, 5150 and I'm ready to go. <laughs> let's, let's have sex. Um, Danny then says, so as far as I'm concerned, we're all good. It's gone too far and too much has happened and there are no more deals to be made. Either we're a loving couple or we're done. And Dr. Gary and I are both like, where the fuck did you get this from? Like, this sounds like you guys have had one of the worst nights of your marriage and you don't go through a night like that. And then at the end you're like, well, we're fine. This went too far, we're, but we're okay. Gretchen starts babbling about how she thinks she can start to feel more in love towards Danny. And he interrupts and says, wait, are you in love with me? And Gretchen gives the longest fucking pause, which my answer is no. Like, like that's like saying, if you ask someone, do they love you? And they go, uh, the answer's no, babe. The answer's no. Danny says, Please look at the doctor and say, I'm in love with my husband. He instructs her like he's trying to teach her French. And if she repeats after him, she'll get it right. Like, so obviously they've had this conversation before. And Gretchen doesn't say anything at all. She says, I think I can get to a place like this. Again. Danny is like flabbergasted. He's like, so I don't know what the thing is here. I don't know if she's been saying things to him differently when they're alone or if he's so delusional that he doesn't hear her and can only hear her when there's a lot of people around and she's like being very clear. I don't know if he's like, she's like super vague about things like she was when he was chasing around the, if she's just like, I'm not, I'm gonna be non-confrontational. I'll just be like, mm-hmm, yeah, buddy. And like, just give you as little as possible to get you off my back. I don't know, but he looks really confused. And he grabs Gretchen by her neck. And I don't mean he grabs her like, He's like yanking up, but he puts two hands on her neck. And at this point I had paused because I wanted to write something down. And when I looked at it, it looks like he's, I know he's not holding her tightly because I've seen the, I've seen the, the actual video. So he's not holding her tightly, but he's got his hands on the side of her face and her neck. And she's got her hands on his two hands. But on the steel, it looks like he's choking her. And I realized that he's not but he's always so fucking angry. And he's always, he's trying to get her to say something that she doesn't want to say. And I would be terrified in that moment. I don't want his hands around my, near my neck. I don't want any of that shit because he wants something that I'm not gonna give him. And he, we know that he gets sky high fucking angry. But what he says is that he's in love with her and there is no but. And he doesn't care if he wants, she won't sleep with him. It kills him. He doesn't care if she's doing errands, do them. He doesn't care what's going to happen, but he's in love with her. And for him, the way he says that for him is like, 
being in love with you is the only thing I need. Like the fact that we have a toxic relationship, the fact that this affects our children, the fact that I, that she, she doesn't say this, but she should say this. She is terrified of him. The fact that if you guys have a bad night and she's saying this isn't working, your response is to cut your wrist in front of her and then fight her for the phone to call 911. Like, dude, dude, none of that matters. The fact is I'm in love with you. And I think a lot of people are like this, especially when they're younger. Um, I remember, remember when Akon had that song, Nobody Wants to See Us Together, but it don't matter, because oh, I got you. I remember listening to that song and being like, there are so many bad couples listening to this right now going, yeah, we're still together. Even though we beat each other with sticks twice a week, we're still together. People think that all the time. They think that that emotion is all you need for a relationship. Emo you can't build relationships on emotion. It's nice to have, it's really nice to feel passionate about your partner. Love is required to be in a long-term relationship, but it's not the only thing. And you can love people that you have no business with. No business at all. So... Christian starts to cry and she says that she can go back to loving him. She feels like she can get back to loving him because everything fell apart and it had to come apart and they had to stop pretending so they could see what was wrong and then they could get back to it. Which also sounds like some shit people say when they're like being delusional. And he's, he says she promised him that she would tell Dr. Gary she was in love with him. Which is probably true. It's probably true that they had a conversation and he was like, but what I need, Gretchen, is for you to go in here and make sure he knows that you love me. And she said, okay. And then they get in there and he's he wants it to happen. But she can't say it, dude, because she didn't mean it. She just said, okay, to get you away from her. She doesn't mean it. And she knows if she says it to Dr. Gary, she's got to answer for it. He's going to like dig deeper in there. He's not just going to go, oh, okay. He's going to say, so let's talk about that. And she doesn't have anything to back it up. So Danny stands up and he says that Dr. Gary ruined his house. He, and he walks off, but then he comes right back and is like, God damn it, Gary. God damn it, Gary. And Gary, and like, Gretchen stands up and tries to tell Danny that this had to happen for them to start over again. Another thing that you found that you wrote to yourself in your sixth grade um, journal. No, you don't have to have terrible, bad things to have a good relationship. And then Danny points at Dr. Gary and says, are you doing something to my wife? Are you doing something to my wife that makes her behave differently than when she does outside this door? Do you have no voodoo? By the way, by the way, Simon Barney has been diagnosed with throat cancer. He's the ex-husband of Tamara Barney. And when I saw that, not a second passed before I said, oh my God, um, Tamara's finally, um, Tamara's finally found Santeria. <laughs> I'm like, that's how bad a person Tamara Barney from the Real Housewives of OC is. My first thought was, oh, of course, she gave him this cancer. She gave it to him. Ugh. Anyway, but 
as far as Danny's concerned, like, again, he doesn't understand therapy in any way. I don't think he's participated. He's participated in therapy before, but not in a real way. And he doesn't understand that we lie to ourselves and to each other all the time. We lie to therapists too, by the way, which I don't understand why you pay money to go somewhere and lie to someone, but cool, cool, cool. But some, when you, especially couples, but when you get in that room and you know, this is a place you can say the thing freely a lot of times you do and outside you may say I'm definitely in love with you don't worry I'm definitely in love with you and inside because in therapy especially if you're someone who's who's like really gone at therapy seriously and like really worked at it and therapy there's a lot of critical thinking about your feelings so it's not just like of course I love so and so it's like you love them okay how do you know that okay and what does that mean like so when you get in there if you've been doing it a while, it kind of like a, a like a little switch clicks on that goes, okay, I'm in the room now. So I'm not just gonna say, I'm not gonna make blanket statements. I'm gonna like examine why I think that and what backs that up and what does that mean? And so like, yeah, it's really easy for her to get into her like her old rut and like you're like saying, please tell people that you love me. And you're like, of course I will, of course I will. I don't want you to be mad. And then you go in there and he's like, tell him how much you are in love with me. And you get in there and you're like, wait, I care about what happens to him. I love him. He's a part of my family. He might even be my best friend, but am I in love with him like romantically or am I stuck in this relationship where I'm tied to him? And he, and Danny doesn't get that. And he doesn't want to hear anything besides what he wants to hear. And also outside the door, she's alone with you. You're probably going to choke her. Okay, that's the truth. So Dr. Gary's just sitting there with his legs crossed saying, I wish I could take some responsibility for this, but I can't. And Dr. Gary's a sloppy dresser. His, his clothes are too big for him. Um, he's probably doing that to hide weight, but whatever. For number one rule of being fat, two, big clothes make you look fatter. No one, <laughs> no one doesn't know you're fat. No, you don't put on two extra, you don't put on a shirt that's two sizes too big and suddenly they go, Oh, he's so skinny. It's hanging off of him. It's just hanging off of him. You know, I thought he looked fat earlier, but you know what? He's skinny. That's not true. And it took me a long time to realize that as someone's been fatter all fucking life, it took me a long time to realize that you just have to dress your body. Two big clothes will make you look worse. The fact that someone can see your arms doesn't change from the fact that they know that you're a fat person. Okay. Now maybe you don't like your arms and you want to hide them. That's cool too. But you getting bigger sleeves isn't going to make people think you're fat. They're going to make you think you're sloppy. And if you just get clothes that will fit and that flatter you, you'll look a t so much better. You'll, then, you'll look, then you'll give off the impression that you actually care about what you look like and people's estimation of you will rise. When you look sloppy, people are like, you are sloppy. And what you say doesn't, like if you're in a work environment, people are like, oh, why the fuck are you listening to her? She's got a side, she's got a side ponytail and her clothes are sloppy. <laughs> But just taking care of your appearance and being well-groomed and wearing clothes that fit you changes a lot of things. That's a free, that's a, that's a little free therapy for you, Dr. Gary. Anyway, Dr. Gary, even though he's like, wears ill-feeling clothes and shit, I really admire Dr. Gary because he just sits there for a lot of shit. And me, the moment Danny Gretchen's like, Neck, even though I could see he wasn't squeezing her neck and choking her, I would have been nervous. I'd be like, oh, well, hold on, hold on. Let's keep our hands to ourselves. But Dr. Gary's just sitting there. He's got his legs crossed. 
And he's just like, I wish I could take responsibility for this. Danny's going off. Gretchen's asking him to stop. So they leave. And Gretchen is driving away. She, as she's driving away, she says her kids need at least one functioning parent. And it's not Danny right now. And they cut to Isabella while, they, while she's talking about that. She just has to be strong for her kids. Which is another thing we need to examine, Gretchen. You keep saying, I need to be strong for my kids. What you're doing is not being strong for your kids. What you're doing is trying to hold on to a situation because you think it's what your kids need and want. And they probably don't. And they, mm, they might want it, but they don't need it. But anyway, they, they intersperse this with Isabella talking to Danny and like, what happened to your wrist? And he's like giving her some story about how he was installing a window and it cut his wrist and stuff. And she's hugging him and stuff. I'm torn by this. Like, I like to keep it real with my kids. I like to give them age appropriate answers. And I don't like to make up like whole last stories. Like, I'm not opposed to lying to kids. Don't get me wrong with that. But like today when I was in a psych office with one of my kids, I teared up a little bit. And he asked me, was I crying? Because he said he wanted to go home. Because he does want to go home, obviously. He really, really wants to go home to his family, which is fucking understandable and he says I like it at your house too and I was like okay but now that's not why I'm tearing up obviously I want you to be able to go home too I'm sad because I see how sad you are and I want you to be able to get what you want I could have also been like allergies woof allergies <laughs> but I didn't think it served him anything to I think it served him better to know that I was empathize, empathizing with him and that I understood and that I too was sad that he couldn't be with his mom and his siblings the way he wanted to be. You know, I wanted him to have that. And I don't know if I would have told Isabel I tried to kill myself. I don't know if I would have said that. But I would have said something like, I'm not always careful. And sometimes when I get upset, I might hurt myself. And I'm going to try to work on it. I'm like, I'm, I'm talking to somebody I'm trying to work. I Like Isabel, even though she's what? Is she like nine or something in this? She's pretty young, but it seems like she's like very much involved in her parents. I don't know if I would have said it that way because I wouldn't want her to be worried about me hurting myself like when she's at school and stuff like that. But I don't think I would have made up a story about installing a window. I probably would have said, you know, I hurt myself. I had, um, I made a mistake and I ended up hurting myself really badly, which is why I don't want you guys to have like knives or, or, um, razor blades or anything like that because it's really easy to make a mistake and that's the truth I made a mistake I thought I should I thought I, I mean I'm not gonna say I thought I should have slashed my wrist but that's the truth in a way is that you did make a mistake and you ended up hurting yourself and scaring mom and now you have to go to the doctor and get all these things fixed so it ends with Grant Gretchen saying that if Danny doesn't stop drinking she doesn't know what she's gonna do and we see scenes from next week. Danny's driving drunk and freaking out production. That also gives me real world, real world tease. And it looks like he goes to rehab. Um, I don't remember him going to rehab. So I'm really excited to see some shit that I, that I literally do not remember what happened. So I'll see you guys next week. Bye.